Coming up on Stu Does America, Blake J. Harris returns to the program. This time isn't with a new book or breaking news on Facebook's shady political stunts. He's here to talk about a new documentary based on his best-selling book of the same name, Console Wars. Really cool. And Blaze TV's Sarah Gonzalez is about to disappear into new mommy world. So we wring the last little bit of content out of her that we can before she's gone. Hey, Tuesday, don't miss it. Go to uh, YouTube, search for Stu. I'll be the first channel there. You go there, you subscribe, and you'll have an amazing bunch of debate coverage, including a pre-show right here. Plus, uh, Pat, myself, and Glenn all watch kind of a Mystery Science Theater 3000 thing. You get to watch it with us, uh, the actual debate, and then we'll do a post-show afterwards. going to be a great night of coverage. Don't miss it. And we now know, of course, who Donald Trump's Supreme Court justice nominee will be. What a day. We'll tell you all about it in just a second and then have some fun at Joe Biden's expense as we do the debate disaster. Stu does America. Okay, we weren't expecting this news until tomorrow, but Donald Trump has selected the notorious ACB. Amy Coney Barrett and his uh, nomination as his nomination, of course, to the Supreme Court to replace the old Notorious RBG, Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Not a terribly surprising decision, um, but it is interesting that he's chosen to beat the media with a punch. Uh, kind of a surprise, a little announcement from Donald Trump. Not exactly a surprise to get a surprise from Donald Trump at this point. We'll have more on this coming up in just a minute. I don't know about you. Uh, I will say I'm just bored. I mean, there's just nothing going on these days. Sure, we have a global pandemic thing. That's kind of going on still, I think. And there's a new Supreme Court nominee coming out, as we just talked about. Then Tuesday night, you got the debate. Oh, of course, constant race riots. Uh, to mention, the Toronto Blue Jays are going to the playoffs for the third time in 27 years. Yeah! It's also overwhelming, isn't it? With the debate right around the corner, it's worth thinking about how big of a deal this is. With all the built-in advantages for Joe Biden this time around, the fawning media, the national crisis in progress, the economic side effects, and just general chaos fatigue, Biden has had a significant and consistent lead in the polls for a while. But as we've argued, people are a little more concerned with, you know, society crumbling than the horse race of the election. It's going to take the debates to pull everyone back into election mode. And of course, both sides look at the debates differently. Trump sees this as his big chance to shake the country awake, to show that he's the guy who should be president and to make it obvious that Biden just can't do the job. From there, the race tightens and Trump gets four more years. On Biden's side, he sees this as a debate, I don't know, as an exercise in survival. If he can just get through these debates without either keeling over or talking about squirrels or by charging at Donald Trump and rage biting his neck, he can protect his lead and stroll into the White House. There's a good chance, however, that one of these two candidates look back at this debate as a disaster the moment their best laid plans blew up in their faces. Nothing will be decided until next week, but I guess Tuesday night is going to be go a long way to at least figure out who leads the free world for the next four years. Will it be the guy who's already checked into the White House or is it the guy who perpetually is checked out? But if we can take a second and think about where we are, if you think we've been in a news firestorm for the last six months, I can't even describe what the next six weeks are going to be like. This is it. Tonight, this is the calmest everything is going to be for a long time. We'll preview the debate with Sarah Gonzalez coming up in a couple of minutes. And first, we'll talk to Blake Harris about his great new documentary that might give you a couple of hours of happiness before the election storm arrives. 
We'll do that next. Ah, a little package of happiness arrived at our doorstep just the other day. Black Rifle Coffee Company. Yes, every month they send us uh, a wonderful uh, pick of coffees. We've, you know, you get to go on there and pick whichever one you want. We're more members of the Black Rifle Coffee Club. They have roast profiles from light and medium and dark and all sorts from around the world through a rigorous process and roasted right here in the United States. This Black Rifle Coffee Club is the way to get it, though, especially if you're going back to work soon. If maybe if you're just going back to the office, you want to have good coffee at your office. You deserve good coffee. You don't need that crap that they had at the office before. Get the good stuff. Uh, you get them uh, every month. They just deliver it right to your door. You get uh, discounted pricing. You gain access to exclusive products, members only content. Their content is really funny and awesome. Uh, partner discounts, all sorts of things. Uh, purchase your coffee at BlackRifleCoffee.com slash stew. BlackRifleCoffee.com slash stew. Be sure to use the promo code stew because that's how they know you like this stupid show and you'll get 20% off your first purchase. That's blackriflecoffee.com slash stew. It's veteran owned, veteran run, the best coffee you're going to find. Blackriflecoffee.com slash stew. The promo code is stew for 20% off. A few years back, Blake J. Harris became one of the darlings of the media and technology world with his incredibly in-depth telling of the video game wars of the 90s in his book, Console Wars. He then told the story of virtual reality in the history of the future, and while doing so, stumbled across a political drama involving Facebook, uh, Facebook excuse me, as they attempted uh, to destroy the creator of virtual reality for supporting Donald Trump. Then everyone got really mad at him for a while, uh, and that was very sad. Fast forward a few months. Blake is on the verge of debuting his brand new documentary based on console wars at South by Southwest when suddenly and seemingly out of nowhere, South by Southwest is canceled. Apparently, they seem realized kind of early before everyone else that a massive gathering inside convention halls and movie theaters might not be a good idea in mid-March of 2020. So there is at least kind of a happy ending to at least part of the story. The documentary is finally out, and it is a great watch. Blake J. Harris is here to talk about it. Console Wars is now available on CBS All Access. Welcome back, Blake. Oh, thank you so much for having me on to give me the happy ending that I've been looking forward to. It's good to see you. Good to see you, Blake. Uh, I got to say, like, before we get into what's, what, what the, the, the story in the documentary, one of the things I loved about watching it is in the middle of this crazy, bizarre time, it really brought me back to what I at least remember to be more normal days. Oh, I'm so glad to hear you say that for a couple of reasons. One is that, you know, very explicitly, my co-director, Jonah Toulos, and I, talked about the documentary. Our ideal version of it was that it would be like a time capsule. Mm. So I'm glad that it was able to serve as that portal to yesteryear. And the other thing too is especially after working on the, the book that turned into a political drama with Facebook and Palmer Lucky being politically discriminated against for his conservative views, you know, it was so nice to spend the next year returning to the era of console wars and just spending time with that archival footage. I mean, it's all this news footage and it's not people shouting at each other. Like, yeah. What a wonderful time in the world, pre-internet. Yeah. It was interesting because it was really, there are uh, just high uh, stakes battles going on, but it's about business and it's about fun things. And it does bring you back. I don't know if it's the clothes they're wearing, if it's going back to what, the old school 16-bit graphics. It just makes you, it brings you back to an era that is much simpler. And it was really, that was a really enjoyable escape for me. I must tell you that. Um, let me let me talk to you about the story itself. You start off with one of the most amazing details of the entire uh, story, I think, which is 
basically the guy who starts Sega. He's uh, here, and it's, and it's the story about Nintendo versus Sega and later Sony uh, and the PlayStation. And this, it's a great battle. It reminds me of a lot of the old school like radio battles we used to have uh, as I came up in, in that industry. Um, but you, you talk about the guy who, who's basically trying to do Sega of America and get it started. He's living in a comfort inn. You have to tell this story. It can't be true what you reveal in this movie about this guy. No, it's, you're so right. I mean, people have asked me if I would be interested in writing fiction and, and I'm interested in writing anything. But the truth is that, that nonfiction is stranger than fiction. I mean, we have the, the main character, the guy who's tasked with launching Sega of America in San Francisco. Shinobu Toyota is his name. He comes here and uh, or goes to San Francisco and he's living in the Comfort Inn, <laughs> never gets an apartment. And he's still there. That's where we film the interview. Whatever, 20, 30 years later. Again, and like, that was, uh, how is this? The guy actually took Sega from nothing, built it into the Sega Genesis, Sonic the Hedgehog, all this gigantic company. And the entire time he was building this business, lived at the Comfort Inn in San Francisco. And today, decades later, still lives at the Comfort Inn in San Francisco. That is, an, that is amazing. Well, in fairness to him, even though it's still just as weird, is that, you know, his family lived in Texas, so he was commuting back and forth, and he's often in Japan. So he spends about a week a month in, in the Comfort Inn in San Francisco. And I'll tell you what, Stu, you've never seen the look of respect in someone's eyes as much as the people who worked at that Comfort Inn. They're like, oh, you're interviewing Mr. Toyota. How amazing. You know, the mates, the, the people at the check-in, they, they love Shinobu. And I can understand why. You know, you see in the movie that he's just such a agreeable, clever humble guy. It's really an interesting story as a whole as you take the Sega is kind of this upstart trying to take on the giant behemoth that is Nintendo, which at one point uh, you mentioned in the documentary holds 95% of the video game market at this point. I mean, it's absolutely incredible. And they see themselves as basically uh, impossible to defeat. Sega takes it on in a very entrepreneurial story. Can you walk us through a little bit of this? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's, it's a great David and Goliath story. Nintendo circa 1990 is in one in three homes in America. It is so synonymous with video games that it is like Kleenex with tissues and uh, you know jacuzzis with hot tubs that Nintendo is literally taking out ads to say, there's no such thing as a Nintendo. Nintendo is a brand name because they were worried about their losing their um, ability, the licensing of their name. And so Nintendo, you know, there's a little bit of hubris that comes with that. They also uh, had some... Uh, issues with uh, intimidation. They faced an antitrust lawsuit in 1992 that they did not win. Um, and uh, Sega comes into this mix and they're not even supposed to have any chance. They're actually supposed to be the third best console behind the Turbo Graphics, and both of them are just supposed to have slivers in the market. But with a team like Shinobu Toyota and Tom Kalinske, um, you know, who had been at Mattel where he helped create He-Man Masters Universe and revive the Barbie line. They were just able to go on this magical run. And like you said, you compared it to the early days or earlier days of, of radio, and it really was like that. It was this very explicit, braggadocious, back and forth. But the best part was it actually improved the products. You know, it wasn't just rivalry for the sake of taunting. It led to, you know, the best case of the best version of capitalism where competition leads to better prices, better products, taking bigger risks. And, you know, the real winner of the console wars was us, the gamers. It really is amazing. I mean, I, I, looking at this, remembering going through that era and all I wanted to do was play video games basically throughout that entire era. And uh, it's funny now with my, my kids are growing up. My son is eight or he's nine actually now. And he he is uh, he wants to do that all the time, too. He wants to get on his, his tablet or whatever. 
And all of the things being said by these awful adults in congressional hearings are all things I'm saying now. I've turned in to, to like Joe, Joe Lieberman. Lieberman. It's amazing. I mean, you go through that era and, and you realize that this, this really does just repeat itself over and over again. Yeah, and, and that, that's actually one of the more interesting things to me, especially because, you know, on the past when I've been on the show, and just in private, you and I have talked about big tech and our concerns. And, uh, and I think both of us are not big government regulation guys, mm-hmm. but the video game industry did regulate itself, and it was because of government intervention leading to self-regulation. So I don't have the answers for what big tech should be doing, but it's interesting that, you know, Joe Lieberman did come in. He was concerned about Mortal Kombat and, you know, the precious children out there. And, and to some degree, you know, he was right to, to, to be yeah. concerned given how powerful the game industry has become and how much, you know, like your kids spend time playing and my nephews as well. So... Um, but you know, I think that it, it's actually a pretty interesting uh, way that that, that 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 those hearings led to self-regulation, and maybe that's something that big tech would want to follow suit with. Although there was some self-regulation that went on before that with Mortal Kombat, that was a really interesting part that I didn't remember. Though as soon as I saw the green blood, I remembered the green blood and did had no idea this little behind-the-scenes battle went on about violence in video games before it really made it to politics. Can you can you take people through that that story? Yeah, so so back in the day, you know, when I was a kid, no, back in the day, you know, the there was arcade games and then home consoles, which was like bringing the arcade experience at home. And the the arcade games were sort of like the minor leagues and the best arcade games would get ported to the consoles. And so Mortal Kombat was the hottest arcade game in nineteen ninety two. And it was going to be coming to a console, and typically it would go to one console or the other, the Sega Genesis or the Super Nintendo. But Acclaim, the publisher, decided, we're going to go to both consoles. We're not going to take any exclusive payments. And they had this whole big Mortal Monday release. And it was was almost going to be like the true test of which console is better. But Nintendo made a curious decision to censor the game, which had a lot of violence in it. Sega sort of amped up the violence. Nintendo decided that they wanted to keep their family-friendly image. So, like you said, they're going to have green blood. (laughs) Uh, which is, I don't even know how that's family friendly or I don't know how that was the exception. But uh, so Sega releases the violent version of the game and Nintendo releases the uh, Disney-fied version of the game and Sega outsold them five to one. And it's also just very interesting for a lot of reasons, you know, looking back to what the violence of games has become, but it just shows you the difference between Sega and Nintendo in a nutshell. Sega, under Tom Kalinske and with Shinobu Toyota, believed that it was about giving the customer what they wanted. And Nintendo believed that it was about giving the customer what they wanted for them, which was censorship. And, you know, you see that a lot today with, again, social media or, or, you know, there's a parallel between Apple and Nintendo just in the controlling nature and how, you know, they're not there's a there's a benevolence to it, at least in their minds. But, uh, you know, there's a lack of control and freedom for those of us on the outside who feel uh, it's a rigid system. Uh, let, that, let that be a lesson to you. Uh, always put more violence in your products and you will win. That's that's the lesson taught by console wars. Um, <laughs> no, uh, let me hit you with two other things here real quick before before we let you go. Um, number one, this is a there's a new cover of Bloomberg Business Week that just just came out. And I thought this was fascinating after going through this entire saga, reading your book and talking about your 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 last book with Facebook and Palmer Lucky. Can we show this cover? Now, this is Mark Zuckerberg, who's being portrayed as this right-wing nut job and Trump supporter. And it's like, you see this happening. I am just, I was fascinated when I saw this and, 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 and the way it's being portrayed. To get your take, you, you saw these emails, you saw the way they handled this inside of Facebook. Is this an accurate portrayal of Mark Zuckerberg? 
No, but it's an accurate portrayal of the media because, look, you know that I'm a liberal and, and I'm proud of that, but I'm not exactly proud of where the Democratic Party is right now and, and especially left-leaning media where anybody who doesn't check off every single item on some imaginary list of what it means to be left-leaning is somehow right-wing. And so yeah. Mark Zuckerberg, who I know for a fact and have the emails to prove it, is is uh, discriminatory towards right-wing people, is somehow perceived as right-wing himself. So it's great media in a nutshell, very sad, and definitely not true. <laughs> um, and you also pre uh, previewed potentially your next project. Is there any possibility to get you to talk about this? I feel like well, you've been on a bunch of shows, we go back a long time, this is the place to break the big news. For you, of course. <laughs> so so after, like we were saying, you know, it was nice to, to uh, tell the story of a period where things seemed normal. And so I went back to the 90s, and uh, I'm writing about the great Larry David. Oh, wow. Who I, it's, I think, the greatest storyteller of, our, of many generations. And uh, that's been a lot of fun to work on. A uh, lot of fun. I mean, a Blake Harris book about Larry David, that's going to be fantastic. I can't wait to read it. And I will tell you, the, uh, especially as we're about to go into this crazy point with debates, Supreme Court justice battles, elections, it's going to be nuts for the next month. Take some time this weekend and check out the new documentary, Console Wars. It's awesome. Uh, you can stream it uh, now with CBS All Access. It's quite an achievement, man. That's a big thing. It's a big deal. Congratulations, Blake. Thanks, and thanks for sticking with me since the beginning. It's been great to get to know you over the years, and uh, all your support of console wars in book form and documentary form is much appreciated. Absolutely. Blake Harris uh, on the program. It's CBS All Access Console Wars. We're back in a second. All right, do you have a car? Do you have homeowner uh, homeowner's insurance? So you deal with all that stuff all the time. Do you want to get a lower rate for the exact same coverage that you already have? If you do you need Gabby Insurance. Gabby takes the pain out of shopping for insurance by giving you an apples-to-apples -apples comparison of your current coverage with 40 of the top insurance providers. I've done this myself. You just go on the site. You can, you can either just you know easily log in and have it done automatically, or you can just scan your documents to them if you want to get that exact, I mean, apples-to-apples. -apples. Every piece of coverage you currently have, let's test it out of the other insurance companies, see how much money you can save. It's that easy. It takes a few minutes. You can do it right now and stop overpaying for your car and homeowner's insurance. Go to Gabby.com slash Stu, G-A-B-I dot com slash Stu. Be sure to use the slash Stu part of the address because that's how they know you like this stupid show. You're supporting us. We really appreciate it. Gabby.com slash Stu. Home and car insurance seriously simplified. I'm joined now by Sarah Gonzalez, host of the News and Why It Matters right here on Blaze TV, as well as Sarah Gonzalez Unfiltered on the YouTubes. Uh, Sarah, we should probably knock this out quickly in case you're going directly to the delivery room. I am. I'm worried every time I go on set and I sit down and stand back up. I'm like, please don't <laughs> let my water break on air. <laughs> which I'm sure you are hopeful for as well. Of course, yes. That's, uh, we all, I think we can all come together on that one. Uh, how, when are you actually due? I'm due on Saturday. So like T yeah, tomorrow? tomorrow? Yeah. That's incredible. Yeah. And yeah. you're still here. I am. I, I would use this as an excuse to not show up for like six months. Easy. <laughs> would you? Oh, totally. Well, that's the difference between women and men. Yes. So. Oh, totally agree. <laughs> um, so uh, this is a, it's an interesting time to be going through a pregnancy, bringing a oh, new yeah. child into, uh -huh. into this world. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. uh, one that is constantly on fire. Yes, and so if anyone was is smart enough out there to do the math, we were not aware 
At conception time, mm -hmm. how crazy the world was going to get in 2020. Right. So yeah, yeah it's there was there was there was no coronavirus pandemic. Yeah. There was no none of that. This was not actually a quarantine baby. Like, this was a pre all of that crazy madness right. happening. So yeah, it was a surprise for us that it turned out to be the most chaotic time <laughs> ever to have a, a baby. It's and a little we weird to talk about this, but this baby was conceived with like an economy that's roaring, uh -huh. Donald Trump like right in the mix. It was all a great time to have a baby. <laughs> it seemed wonderful. Okay, so now here we are. We've yeah. gone through a coronavirus pandemic, which will probably never end, as, as I'm sure you'd point out. Um, and it, <laughs> And now we have debates starting next week. How much of this is you timing this so you can get out of debate coverage? I'm not going to lie. I am a little <laughs> bit excited yeah. that uh, I can still watch it and I can still react. And, you know, yeah. I have Twitter to, to get that all out, but I don't have to actually be here for it. <laughs> it's going to be some long nights, some interesting <laughs> things. Yeah. Let's, let's talk about this a little bit because you're going to leave. Are, are you going to work next week or are you gone next week? I mean, I'm hoping that I have a baby next week and I'm not going to be here, but the plan... Mm -hmm. is to be here. Oh, you're, so if you do not have the baby, you will be. You're going to push this right to the end. I am. Right, this is fascinating. I am. Okay, so uh, let's say next week, uh, let's say it happens on Saturday, just, just, uh, right. just for yes. theory. I'd like to say it happens like right after right. I leave, <laughs> right after you leave this interview. <laughs> uh, the debate is happening. What do you expect out of this debate? Because we've done a lot of talking about this, and I would say the, the people who are sitting here looking at this election and saying Trump might be a little bit behind in the polls, but... This is the moment. Trump is going to wipe the floor with Joe Biden. Do you think that's real or, or, or are conservatives a little bit too excited about it? Oh, I think that's completely real. It is. I, I mean, I, yeah, I do. Because uh, you even look at, you know, there was an Axios interview that I just saw uh, that I don't know when it aired, but I just recently saw it. And even with friendlies, Joe Biden is pushed at all, just the slightest bit. And he gets defensive. He gets angry. He does that weird maniacal laugh like he He's just so, you know, he's uh, he thinks it's the most hilarious thing in the world that anyone is pressing him on a legitimate question. And I think it's going to come off horribly in the debate because Donald Trump knows he's already the person who can push someone's buttons, who knows what to say to them just to set them off, uh, you know, very casually. And I just think those two mixing it's it's not going to work well for Joe Biden. That's a really insightful point, because I think most people look at this as. Biden is going to stumble. He's going to drool on himself. Yeah. He's going to go sleepy sleep in the middle of the debate or something. <laughs> right. But you're right. You've hit on something really real. Yeah. He is. He's very. He seems constantly antagonistic. Yes. Especially if someone brings up like Hunter. Yep. Right. Like he gets angry. Yeah. He gets defensive. He loses control. You saw that when he was walking through the floor of that uh, factory. Remember that one yes. place? And he starts yelling at one of the people, and they're trying to drag him out as hard as they can. <laughs> There's something going on there, and if and Trump is the perfect guy to exploit mm -hmm. that. Yeah, he is. I mean, he is the master troll. <laughs> we see him we see him do it to the left all the time. So I think you add in, like you said, the added dimension of uh, Joe Biden really not even being all with it, mm. all there at all times. I it's it's I just can see disaster written on the wall for Joe Biden. And I, I will tell you this also. If it is not the debate that we all want, which is the popcorn eating debate of Donald Trump just wiping the floor with Joe Biden, I don't know what we've been preparing for this entire time in 2020. 2020 yeah. has been awful. <laughs> it's, this is the only thing that we've been looking forward to. Right. All year. I was looking forward to this 
in 2016. <laughs> yeah. when, when Donald Trump won the nomination, I was like, the person he, I want him to go up against is Joe Biden. Because they're just going to say all sorts of stuff. Yes. Like, you're never going to know what's going to happen. Right. Now, Biden's slowed down a lot, I think, since then, even yeah. since 2016. So I don't know if it's going to be that exciting. But we're going to have some fireworks here. He still could threaten to fight him. <laughs> it definitely He's could. He's already done it. Definitely could. I, you know, I want corn pop references. Yes. I want all of it. Um, I do think there's a there's a there's a thing that goes on with debates. We've got four of them coming up, right? You've got the it goes presidential one, then I think VP one, mm-hmm. right? Then presidential mm-hmm. two, then presidential three. And if you think back to like you know think about the Romney election and really all of these uh, debates, the first one is really the one. Yeah. It's, it's the one that everyone tunes in for. It's it sets the entire stage. It doesn't mean you can win the election there. Romney did as well as you could possibly do in the first debate and wound up losing because he sucked in the other ones. Right. Uh, partially, that was at least the reason. Um, here we have a situation where there has been a re- repetitive uh, thing that has happened with incumbents, where they go into this first debate after four years of being president, and they don't have to go through uh, a primary mm-hmm. process like like uh, like Biden just did. I mean, right. he just did he, as bad as he was in those debates. He at least is recently tested in them. He's done them recently. Mm. I mean, he's not good he's at done it. Done them, right? That's but true. He's fighting with other Democrats. Yes. At least he's got that going on. Yes. Does Donald Trump have that first debate letdown that has been so common for so many others? Well, I don't think so because he is constantly challenged by the media. I mean, he's been doing those coronavirus press conferences, the press briefings. He did them daily at one point, not that long ago. uh, And he is constantly tested by the press. So I think that that has kept him in practice, at least. Whereas, you know, you had Barack Obama. I mean, the media was. Yeah, well, and maybe he'd hide from Fox News. But the rest of the media was fawning all over him, uh, you know, not challenging anything he's saying. So I think that, you know, as much as the media tries to give him those gotcha questions and think that maybe they've they're going to get their one shining moment in and this is going to be the end of Donald Trump's presidency once they get their final question in I think really what they've done is created a practice for him that uh, that that will be useful in the debates uh, yeah I think that's true and it's it's like watching it go down where you have Joe Biden trying to I mean because really what I, I think you look at the, the way the Democrats are looking at this they see him as uh, ahead Joe mm-hmm. Biden and they see as we just need to protect this. You can't blow this thing up. That's right. all we got to do is be careful enough not to blow this thing up, which I think is dangerous. It's kind of what Hillary did, right? Yes. It was kind of Hillary's yes. um, idea. What I would do if I were Joe Biden, and maybe this is what he's doing, calling you know the end of his press day every day at like 11 a.m. is <laughs> 11 a.m. is late for is him. Late for him. The lid. Yeah. yeah. He is. I would be nonstop debate prep because this is all that matters for him. Yes. Yeah. All he has to do is get through these things and he's got a good chance of being president of the United States. Doesn't guarantee it, but he's got a good chance. Donald Trump reportedly is basically saying, I'm going to roll all over this guy. Right. Uh, I don't need to prep. Does that make you nervous? I mean, it makes me a little bit nervous with Donald Trump, and he's always somewhat of a wild card. But I also wonder how much the debates even play into people's decisions at this point in time. I think that when people look at and that's not to say that they won't watch them, everyone's going to be watching them, but they're going to be watching, I think, for their side to see whether or not their side gets in the punches, gets in the zingers that they want their side to get in. I have to wonder, though, what's going to factor more heavily into the average American's decision, what Joe Biden says on a debate stage or the fact that the Democrats are watching as cities burn? 
you have to wonder which one they're going to factor in more and how much of a factor the debate performance is going to weigh into their final decision. I would, I mean, if it's me, I'm like, yeah, like I've been watching what you guys have been doing the last six months and I don't love it. And it it really doesn't matter to me at the end of the day what you said on stage. Okay, let's take a quick break and come back on the other side. I want to get into that. I want to get into cities burning and the effects of that because it, it really... This is we've never seen anything like this before. It is fascinating to watch Sarah Gonzalez, host of News and Why It Matters and uh, YouTube Sarah Gonzalez uh, un unfiltered, unleashed, unfiltered, uh, unashamed. We have so many uns on this network. (laughs) We do. Uh, I don't know what that is. (laughs) All right. Back in a second. Back with Sarah Gonzalez of the News and Why It Matters. So, Sarah, you're, we were just covering this last break. You are due tomorrow. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and you're, you're doing this stupid show. I am. Terrible advice. There's no way your doctor approved it. Uh, so, you're gonna, so you have a baby. You're going to be gone for, what is it? I can't remember now. It's been a few years. How many months? Well. Is, t- is typical? Uh, typical, I think, like two to three months. Two to three months, is right? usually typical, yeah. These are two to three interesting months. Yes. Right? Like, yes. so, I mean, we're, where are we? The end of September. So uh-huh. that would be like the end of November or the end of, de- uh, the, end of the year. Mm-hmm. That is a crazy time. It means the election. Are you yes. gone for the election? You're going to miss the, all the debates. You're going to miss everything. I am going to. I am going to miss the debates uh, if all goes according to plan. I would like to come. I can't miss the election. Like I can't. I don't. I just feel like I can't yeah. miss election eve. I can't miss the election day. I feel like I have to be there for those two specific times, and then maybe I. I, I'll be missing in action again for a little bit longer after <laughs> right. that. But I mean, this is just, it's, it's too important and I'm going to be, I feel like I'll be watching you guys and I'll just be yelling at the TV, <laughs> wanting to insert my opinion. So I might as well just be there at that probably, point. Probably makes sense. Uh, are you going to get all your opinions throughout? You'll still be tweeting and such. Yes. Sarah yes. Gonzalez TX. Yes. Right? Okay. Yeah. So, um, think ahead here. You're coming back now mm-hmm. from the from your pregnancy and your birth and all these things that happened mm-hmm. to ladies, <laughs> and uh, we have maybe a new president, maybe the same Ooh. president. Yeah, we have maybe a new Senate. You know, the mm-hmm. Senate is on the line. I mean, some of these models are now showing the Democrats favored to win the Senate, which is terrifying. We will probably have a new Supreme Court justice confirmed. We kind of. I mean, I hope. Yeah. This is nuts. Like, what do you think? Give me, give me your. Give me the Sarah Gonzalez time capsule. What do you feel right now is going to happen with these things? I actually, I think it's very optimistic of you that you even think that there's going to be a country left <laughs> for me to make right. any sort of predictions yeah. on. That's really nice yeah. because I feel like I, this, everything's going to burn down It, it while does I'm feel gone. that way, doesn't it? It really does. Um, you know, I would like to believe that, I, I would like to believe in the silent majority. I would like to believe that Donald Trump will uh, end up victorious on election, well, on election day, but then also in the coming weeks as they try to. Yeah, you could come back tabulate. in January. We could still be figuring this thing out. I, yeah, exactly. That, that's that's the thing is that there's election night, and then there's what the Democrats have already planted the seed about, which is even on election night, if Donald Trump wins, well, hold on a second, because there's still more to be counted. So. I hope ultimately he will be successful. But uh, you know what? The Senate, I- I'm not sure of. Um, I think that that could be. I, honestly, I think that it depends on how the Supreme Court goes. 
I think that how how they handle it, mm -hmm. I think it will be dependent on that. Um, but I do think that they will confirm a justice. I think that the Democrats will overplay their hand again like they did with Justice Brett Kavanaugh. Mm -hmm. And I think that they will act poorly. I think that they will tar and feather whoever the nominee is. And I think that it will, uh, I think that it will come back to bite them ultimately because that's what the Democrats do, yeah. Stu. They, they, don't, they can't control themselves. They don't learn from their mistakes. They didn't learn from their mistakes in 2016 with the election. They're redoing all of the, all of the bad things that they did there. Look at Wisconsin. They forgot about Wisconsin yeah. last time. Uh -huh. now now they're just letting it burn. Yes. If that's not doubling down on the same mistakes, I don't know what is. Yeah. I mean, really, I mean, Biden, too, you know, I mean, Hillary never went to Wisconsin. Biden's kind of just in his basement all the time. He's not going anywhere. No. So he's like just repeating the Wisconsin strategy all over Everywhere. America, except for Delaware, yeah. which I am confident they will win. Right. Uh, so we, we, as we tape this, uh, Amy Coney Barrett is the favorite, has not been named yet. Mm -hmm. um, do you think they, do, you don't picture a Mitt Romney deciding last minute to flake out or somebody to bail out. You think they'll get this through. The Republicans will actually get this thing done. I do think they will get it done. Now, that's not to say that Romney will be ultimately any help. Right. Um, they can still lose one more in theory. Exactly. And and I think that Romney knows that. And I think that Romney was very careful with his words that he said, you know, well, I'll, I will... I support them bringing someone up, but yeah. he never said he's going to vote for that person. No, he didn't. Um, so I would still leave room for Mitt Romney to be Mitt Romney, who we all know that he is at this point. Mm -hmm. But I do think that they are going to get it through. Um, one of the things you brought up was the Democrats always playing, overplaying their hand. And it's so true, right? They do this all the time. Um, one of the things I found interesting about just the dynamic of this campaign is you have a, a candidate, Joe Biden, who's his only argument really to be president um, is to say, doesn't it feel chaotic right now? Yeah. If I'm president, it won't be that way. Right. Right. A return to normalcy. Right. And I think, I, you know, look, I, I don't want Joe Biden to be president, but I don't think that's a terrible argument to bring up to the nation as a whole. Right. Because yeah. it's been. It's, it has been chaotic, and, and that doesn't mean it's Trump's fault, but Trump's associated with it. It's his era, right? And it has been a chaotic time, and certainly at times Trump plays into this, right? He likes the chaos. I mean, he's like, oh, I don't know. Maybe I will leave the White House. Maybe I won't. I don't know. We'll see. Like, he <laughs> likes that stuff. The, the, arg the, the actions of Democrats and their allies on the far, 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 far left burning down cities— mm -hmm saying we're going to uh, get rid of the Electoral College and the filibuster and maybe the Senate as a whole. And, you know, maybe we're we're going to add people to the Supreme Court. And I, all of this stuff is the exact opposite of a return to normalcy. Right. They seem to be promising chaos and undercutting their entire message. Yeah. I mean, what they're essentially saying is we're going to create chaos either way. If we don't win and <laughs> yeah. get our way, we're going to burn it all down. If we keep Donald Trump uh, in office, we're going to burn it all down. But also, I mean, can't you totally see them? burning it all down once Joe Biden comes in office, because you've got a bunch of Democrat lawmakers who have been enabling all of this behavior, who have been telling them this is what you should be doing. You should be taking to the streets. You should be burning things down. And so then they're like, well, you guys are the ones who told us to do it. And now you're in power. So now we just do it more anytime we don't get our way. I mean, I don't see how the average American steps back and sees anything different from the Democrats unless they are told at the ballot box that we reject all of this. Right. Right. I mean, like there's there's absolutely no way that it stops unless we do that. And it's going to get worse before it gets better. 
I, I fully expect that. Yeah, that's kind of just like the slogan of the country. Right, like, it's <laughs> going to get worse before it gets better. There's no way around that. Do you, you think about that at all? I mean, you know, as I know when when we had our kids, yeah. you get in that sort of introspective mode, right? You think about like not only like how you're living your life, but how the the future is going to go. I mean, this country is at a point that I don't, I don't think I've ever experienced in never, my life. Never. I, I, I don't know that I pictured that this sort of stuff was possible. Mm -mm. The future of the country is sort of on the line here. If, if we, you know, we could screw this up, we could blow this entire experiment, it feels like. We're on that. The wrong series of things happens in, that, in, the, in an order that is you know, the worst case scenario. We really are on the verge here of blowing this entire thing up in one way or another. Yeah. Do you think about those sorts of things as you bring a new kid into the world? Um, I do, Stu, and thank you for reminding me that your very optimistic message here. Yes, it's actually something I think about all the time yeah. uh, these days, and it, but it's absolutely true. It's absolutely true we are on the cusp of we could be making a decision that we can't come back from uh, if we make the wrong one, and I think that it really is important, but I think that what that's doing is you see it, I see it. I think a lot of people out there see it, even people who don't pay attention to politics the way that we do. And I hope that what that's doing is drumming up the enthusiasm that on election day, they are going to go out and cast their votes and make their make their opinions known because we can't be the only ones who see how consequential this is. Yeah. We, no. we, there's no way. Is there is there any possibility that we're being sucked into the same trap that I think everybody's always sucked into that, you know, it's always we always think this is the most important election. Yeah. We always think that it's always getting worse and things are out of control. And then, you know, we've been able to usually figure these things out. Is there any hope? They're burning cities down. Yeah. I mean, that they're literally burning cities down. It's not even used to. We would just use that as a metaphor. Yeah. Now they're literally burning cities <laughs> down. I really don't think that we're being, you know, uh, we're not it, overdoing it. No, we're not. We're not exaggerating here. It really is that important and crucial. What else? Uh, we have about a minute left here. Yeah. What else? When you're thinking ahead here, you're going to be coming back in three months. What else? What, what's going to? What, what have you? What have you missed? What is? What has happened in those three months? Anything you can predict? I mean, I hope that we I come back and we're still covering President Donald Trump's ridiculous tweets <laughs> that, that he tweets and we can all laugh about them and know that they're just tweets. And uh, I think that we're still I think that we are going to be wearing the masks forever, though, forever. I mean, not me, because no. I don't I'm not all about that. I, no. I'll stand up and comply. Well, not comply, but um, I'll see how they how they treat me when I'm not super pregnant. Because as of right now, I can walk into a store and no one says anything. Oh, really? So yes. that's really fascinating. So you've been going into stores without masks and no one's calling you out on it because right. they're like, oh, I you, think can't, so. you can't say anything you to the pregnant lady. You can't say that to the pregnant lady. Right. Yeah. But, but we'll see. But definitely people are, I don't think we're ever. The only solution is instead of a mask covering is a false belly. <laughs> Once you have the baby, you get the false belly. You keep going into stores and acting like you're pregnant for years and years and years. I'm in. <laughs> this is. I'm in. This is the way I think it goes. Uh, Sarah <laughs> Gonzalez, a host of the News and Why It Matters, right here on Blaze TV, as well as Sarah Gonzalez Unfiltered on YouTube. Make sure you subscribe. She's going to have tons of stuff on the YouTube channel when you come back. But you can also go on Twitter and make sure you get all of her reactions there. It's going to be fun to watch them in real time. Maybe um, at some point. When you're on uh, pregnancy leave or maternity mm -hmm. leave or whatever they call it, mm -hmm. 
um, we'll just we're, we'll just make you Skype in and do a little guest uh, appearance. Sure. So at least pop in with some appearances. Is that yeah. cool? Yeah, sure. as long as you don't mind a crying baby in the background. No, not at all. Totally no, professional. No, not at all. Uh, make sure you subscribe. BlazeTV.com slash Stu. Use the promo code Stu because that's how they know. You like the stupid show and how you like Sarah's show, too. Uh, thanks for coming on and good luck with the people growing thing you're doing. Thank you. Okay. Appreciate it. You're welcome. Back in a second. So uh, let's talk about intermittent fasting because, uh, well, you know, I see the thing is you might look at me and say, hey, he looks pregnant. And no, it's actually not. It's not a baby. It's a lot of Taco Bell. Uh, look, effective weight loss is uh, important. Uh, you want to, if you are a little bit, maybe add it on a little bit from the COVID thing. I had a vacation, uh, I guess, last week. I started it with dinner on Friday night, and then I just continued the dinner the entire week. So it was not positive. Um, however, Fast Blast is great because you can get it back in control really quickly. Um, I think intermittent fasting is one of the, it, I really like it because the pounds come off fast. Like every day you check the scale and you've lost some weight. Um, it's, it's a good, it's a good way to go. And you can learn a lot about it. If you go to fastblast.com, um, they also have these smoothies, which are great because it makes it a lot easier. You know, the first day can be a little bit, a little bit shaky. I've had some shaky days when, when doing this, but when you have the fast blast smoothies, it makes it a lot easier. Do your own homework. Go to fastblast.com slash blaze, fastblast.com slash blaze, which is not easy to say, but it is easy to type. The slash blaze part is important because that's how they know that you like this stupid show. So go there, get started today with Fast Blast for a healthier and smaller you. It's fastblast.com slash blaze. So the notorious ACB, Amy Coney Barrett, late breaking today, uh, going to be the pick for the uh, Supreme Court seat vacated by Ruth Bader Ginsburg. It's not a huge surprise as a pick from uh, Donald Trump. I will uh, bring you back in your little memory hole here a little bit. Um, back in the day, there was that list of 21 justices, uh, and then uh, they picked Neil Gorsuch. They got, uh, Donald Trump became president, of course, picked Neil Gorsuch, and then came out with another list a little bit later that had Brett Kavanaugh's name on it and Amy Coney Barrett. So that second list is where Amy Coney Barrett was. And then a third list came out with 20 new justices uh, nine days before Ruth Bader Ginsburg passed away. Um, they decided to go with Amy Coney Barrett. They went with, uh, with her. I, look, you know, I, I have expressed some worry about Amy Coney Barrett because she doesn't have as long um, a judicial record as some of the other candidates. However, uh, what record she does have is pretty damn good. Uh, she uh, was a law professor at Notre Dame, um, very highly respected. Uh, even people who are in the mainstream media uh, seem to shower praise on her intellect. Uh, there doesn't seem to be any question about whether she's actually qualified. They're going to try to destroy her in her life. I assume they're going to call her a gang rapist at some point. I mean, what else do Democrats do? This is the world we live in. When there's a Supreme Court justice that's up, she, she, whoever it is, is going to be a gang rapist. Man, woman, uh, one of the other 5,000 genders, who knows? Uh, she is very strongly pro-life, uh, uh, personally. Uh, of course, when you get into this way, you know, how is she going to rule on Roe versus Wade? No one can ever be completely sure. But, uh, you know, I've spent the last you know, week or so since all this went down questioning basically every legal expert I know about Amy Coney Barrett and trying to figure out, is she the real deal? Are we going to get burned again? Conservatives always get burned on this stuff. And the truth is, I found almost nothing. I couldn't find anyone who would tell me that Amy Coney Barrett wasn't an excellent choice. Uh, the president seemingly found the same thing. 
And, uh, you know, I'm, I, I will say I was very encouraged by, you know, from no less a figure of, of, than Mike Lee, I mean, who showered praise on Amy Coney Barrett as a potential pick. Uh, so I think as conservatives, we got someone who is very smart, who seems to have an originalist perspective, very, very important, who looks at these things the way that they actually are. And uh, prayers that this goes through without a hitch, and she's fantastic because it, the stakes couldn't be higher. We will see you Monday and Tuesday night for debate coverage.